Shot up, snap. No. And talk about David and Goliath. I submit to you, Davidson College to the Sweet 16. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Belk Report podcast. I'm here. This is Joe with Ian and Jacob. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing good. Pretty good. Can't complain. All right. So this is our long-awaited sort of postseason podcast. Colby will be joining us hopefully soon. Um, so if we have a weird, awkward cut in the middle of this podcast, you'll know why, because Colby came in. But um, anyway, what we want to do to start our postseason podcast is um, go back in time to a, to a very painful, very painful hour or two hours and um, talk about the Davidson men's basketball season. Obviously, it didn't end how we wanted it to end. Um, you know, a tough first round exit to... Um, Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Um, I don't know about you. I was pretty much knocked out of watching basketball for like a good like four days after that. Like <laughs> I didn't watch any other games until like the Elite Eight or like even the Final Four. So it was, um, yeah, it was a tough, tough game, tough loss. Um, is there anything that stood out to you on recollection, anything that stands out to you about that game, either of you can can take it, Jacob, if you want to go. Um, the game made me very not happy. I don't think I watched basketball again the whole year. Uh, do you want like a game take? When there was that moment right. we were up by five, and I was like, "Holy, sh- holy peep, we're gonna do this." Um, and then it immediately fell apart. They went on their like cold stretch that we, that TV kept telling us they were gonna do, and we didn't score enough during their cold stretch. Um, I think we missed like two layups, so we lost a 50-50 game like we did to Kentucky three years ago. So uh, that sucks. Well, I I thought this game was even a little different from the Kentucky game because the Kentucky game was really you know it felt like they were in control of it most of the game up until the end when we made that run and really closed up. But this was a game against Michigan State this year that really felt like we could have won it. Um, yeah. We yeah. definitely we definitely had our opportunities to win it. Um, we didn't take those chances. Um, there were also, and I'm going to try and say this carefully, um, there were some calls in that game which were friendly to Michigan State. I do not think that those changed the results of the game. They certainly changed the game and the way it was played. And this isn't just a, a Davidson thing. I thought the refs at the tournament this year were not good. Um, super inconsistent. Um, but, you know, it's frustrating. Absolutely had a chance to win the game and just didn't take those chances. On a side note, I didn't tell you guys this, but I made the mistake of inviting a friend over to watch the game who is not from Davidson. He's from Michigan. He told me, oh, you know, I watched some basketball here and then every single time they scored, he'd get up and start cheering and clapping. And I just, oh my gosh, worst mistake of my life. Yeah, that's a, that's a brutal, that's a 
brutal watching environment. Um, Are there any bridges near you that you can? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Uh, brutal. Crossed my mind. (laughs) That is brutal. That is brutal. That's brutal. I'll say I'll say two things. One, there was a lot of ref bashing after that game, which yeah, were there some bad calls? Like yeah, but you know we also got breaks for us too. I think. Uh, you that know, foster play. Yeah. The foster play was a huge break. Um, you know, but a couple of the Luca calls were, ugh, you know, tough. And you have to, you know, you saw instantly how big the difference Luca made being on the floor in the second half versus not being on the floor in the first half. So that, you know, that those, was crazy. Those were, yeah. those were sort of big big things but again i think ian you're right like for as much ref bashing as there was i just don't think that the um i just don't think that they swayed the game in any way i think michigan state at the end just outplayed us and you know they were probably the better team that night we had you disagree jacob I don't think there was a better team. I think both teams played basically about even um, better team. I guess they were the better team. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think the refs were at fault. I thought that we just missed a couple opportunities. I don't think there was a right. better team though. I think that was one of those games where we played effectively to a draw. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's, I should, uh, I, I take that back. We missed, we missed the opportunities that we had. Um, you know, there was a little bit of life after the turnover and the out of bounds play. Um, but the other, the only other thing that I'll say is if you go back in the box score and you look at what the biggest discrepancy was, it was free throw shooting. We did not shoot well from mm-hmm. the foul line mm-hmm. and something that had really kind of been the strength of the team all year, having that be the Achilles heel at the end, the thing that I think really sort of bit us, we missed the front end of some one-on-ones that would have been huge. Um, and you know, just knocking down foul shots, like we, it happened. It feels like it happens every tournament, you know, the teams that the teams that are successful, like hit their free throws and if there's a game that you're not in your free throws. Like that's a dangerous place to be in March, but, um, yeah, you know, that's, I don't know if either of you have anything else to say about it, but, um, yeah, Ian. Yeah. I thought, you know, it's a tough game to lose, but I, I don't think we did enough to really be able to say, hey, we deserve to win that game. Um, and I know when we talked about Michigan State, I think we talked about this on the previous pod, you know, there isn't really anybody on that team that we really expected that could really take over the game. I don't think anybody, even, you know, any Michigan State fan saw Joey Hauser going off for 27 points. That was, oh, yeah. you know, that was a great performance. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it ha- like tournament games are regularly like. Can I say this because it's a, a crap shoots? Can you say that because that's like not yeah. like a full on swear? Um, <laughs> yeah, just like my swearing. Um, I mean, tournament games are largely crap shoots, right? They're they're about 50-50, and it just sucks. We've had a couple 50-50s in a row. We've lost. I mean, it was this one was a pure fifty-fifty. Um, I will say, and this bleeds into like what's next. It feels like we got over a hump this season. Um, it feels like we got over like the hump of having to uh, be able to being able to beat a big time opponent in a regular season, right? To get an at large bid. 
um, in the non-con, right? Be able to play well in the non-con, not just power, not just not just the conference season. So now we just have to get over the tournament hump, and uh, we've been so close. Ugh, we were the Kentucky game, this game, we're like right there, right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, by the way, crapshoot comes from the game craps. So oh, so it's not even a swear. No. Is it crab shoots like with a B or a P? P like the game. Like craps. Have you ever heard of the game? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, we can so we can talk about red, that later. Is that the red black <laughs> game? Is that red black and then it's the spin? We'll talk about we'll talk about going to Vegas later. Velcro <laughs> here with you know hard hitting etymology. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, Jacob, I think you're right when you say like. Uh, and the other, the final thing to say in terms of the recap of this past year and going off of Jacob, what you said is this was a special season. It really was. It was a great group of guys who all, you know, played extremely well. I, and again, I don't think it can be stressed enough that like nobody expected this team to perform like it did this season. Like, uh, you know, nobody had this this idea that we would go on such an incredible run and so I, I just think like as disappointing as the tournament loss is you know I, I think that has to be underscored that the season was incredible and nothing's going to be able to take that away disappointing loss in the end but overall a really incredible season and it feels like for next year season. it feels like for next year there's a lot to a lot to build on um, and I know that we've had some folks, um, you know, making decisions for next year. We'll get to the biggest, most important of those decisions. But um, I want to start with Nelson and um, Mike and just get our thoughts um, about, you know, both of them entering the transfer portal. I don't think either of those came as a huge shock. Um, you know, they're going to really excel somewhere in a, I don't, I'm more talking about Mike. Mike's going to probably go to some power five school and really have a great, um, great, great year. It's like a three and D kind of guy. Nelson, I'm not too sure, you know, where Nelson ends up, but you know, both those guys I think are going to go and have success and thank you for your service. I would say. (laughs) Yeah. My, uh, I think I read today that he's taking, Mike Mike Jones is taking um, a visit to Stanford. I think he'll still end up at Minnesota from what people have, what the talk has been. And I just makes sense because he's a Minnesotan. Um, up in the woods there, Jacob. From Fargo. Um, Minnesota or uh, Stanford, I think, is most likely for him. And that, you know, he's tough. You got to replace his numbers, what, 40-something percent from three, right? He was able to – he's a really good defender, really good shooter, but he could also take it off the dribble when he when we needed it, needed him to. You know, he had a nice floater. Um, you know, obviously it's a big loss. Uh, and then Nelson is, like, losing uh, Rusty Regal, uh, right, that energy, that grit. Um, his versatility, being able to back up the four or the five. And I, he hasn't been connected anywhere yet, so we don't know where he's going. But, uh, yeah, they're both big losses uh, in different ways. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll have to find a uh, – we'll have to find replacements. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike had a, had a great year. Um, he's another one of those players I don't think 
you know, the theme of the season was not terribly high expectations going in, but I think his performance has really helped boost those expectations for the whole team. So yeah, that's, that's going to be tough to make up for, but that was one that, you know, we knew going into this season was a very good possibility. He was going to be leaving also with Nelson, just, you know, the nature of Davidson, not having grad programs, everybody knew he was going to be missing. Uh, he was going to be gone after the year, but he tended to be overlooked a little bit because, you know, he wasn't part of the starting five. Um, I think he's a player that it's going to be really tough to make up for, um, especially with certain people who I could have seen, you know, filling in that role, possibly not coming back next year. Um, but his energy was was really, really crucial in some moments. And his his length also was a, was a key to his game. So we'll miss yeah. him. Speaking of hard to replace, you know, I think that moves us on to the most important and the splashiest headline of the entire offseason, which is Luca to the league, question mark? <laughs> I hope so. Um, which is, by the way, as, as, Jacob, as Jacob tweeted, is the new, um, is the new soul. Well, not soul. We do a bunch of stuff on our Twitter account. But primary, primary. one of the primary focuses of the Belk Report in due time will be um, starting and um, maintaining a Luca to the league campaign. Um, we'll take applications for uh, posters. If people want to make posters, if somebody has a Canva account, they can do that. Um, you know, we're, we're getting creative here. So uh, be on the lookout for a bunch of, bunch of Luca to the league posts. But I mean, what do you guys think are his prospects? I don't know. I don't really look at NBA mock drafts or anything think, like that. I don't think I see him any mock drafts. I think he is a really interesting candidate for um, a two-way deal because of his ability to shoot and he's a player big, right? He is 6'11". So, I mean, I've seen like him, I've seen them say he's like 10 different heights. Um, he's like 6'11". And I think the big thing that's holding him back is lateral movement and vertical movement. That's a really nice way to say it not NBA he's not like he's not Giannis um but I think very that few people, people are <laughs> very few people are Giannis. <laughs> actually only one um, <laughs> <laughs> um and Bruno Caboclo is five years away from me five years away from being Giannis um uh that's a joke that's a very niche joke uh that only I understand um <laughs> and Ethan you guys don't get to know who he is. Um, I think that the NBA, you know, the amount of times that I've seen guys completely change the type of like their the get their athleticism being a professional, when you get to spend all your time focusing on being a professional basketball player, it does a huge world diff like world's difference. Um so I think if you can work on that with Luca, I think he, I, I legitimately think he's an NBA player, not many six eleven guys with his stroke and his, you know, smarts and his ability to pass. So I think he'll get a two way deal. I, I really do. I really do. Yeah. I was, I, I mean, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, anyone is a sure thing to, you know, be in the NBA, but I think he has, you know, a lot of those, the traits that you look for when you're looking for these, um, these players and especially like you said if he can you know 
really drive down and, you know, work hard, which, I mean, we've seen him take huge steps from year, from freshman year to this year at Davidson. Like he's improved markedly every year, you know, the whole narrative of, you know, uh, the sort of um, the whole narrative of a bad post defender was certainly, you know, tossed to the wind this year. So we've seen, Thank you. we've Thank seen Luke, we've seen Luca take these massive steps. And so I don't think it's, I don't think it's insane to say that like he has, he has a future potentially being in the, being the NBA. What I think is much more likely probably is um, playing somewhere in Europe and being a huge success in Europe. Can I just say something really quickly? I coming into this year and coming really whenever, I mean, like, for the last four years, people have always been like, Luca is not great on defense because he doesn't have a ton of block shots because that's how like layman people really like measure who's good defensively. They just say, oh, what's your block shots? So of course he never had as many as block shots as like, oh, shoot, shooty. But like, we always knew that he was a good defender. He impacted shots, you know, made it hard to score in the paint. And then he missed. And then people finally realized that, that he's a, he was a good post defender. Right. They just D- Davidson runs a different type of defense. So that made me very happy that people finally realized that that was a huge pet peeve of mine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I, I think I'm with you on this one. I think is there a chance he, you know, makes the NBA? Yeah, there's a chance. I don't I don't know if that really fits his game entirely. I think he might much more fits the the European style. Um you know, I think the NBA certainly has better athletes, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily from like board to board higher uh, higher skill level than in Europe. Right. And I think I think Lucas game just fits fits much better into the European style than the NBA. Whatever whatever the case may be, Luca, we're hoping for the best. Luca, if you're listening, we're hoping for the best for you. Um, it's seriously so awesome to, you know, have somebody who has had that much success from Davidson and um, couldn't happen to a better guy too. You know, I know Jacob, you, you say this all the time. And I think we all, we all say it like, it's just a great group of guys and it's, you know, hard to root against, you know, hard to root against this team when they have, you know, people who are just good people on the team. And so it couldn't be happening to a better guy. Um, But it does, you know, bring up the question, what does next year look like? You know, I feel like Davidson kind of goes through this every year because we don't have that, you know, um, grad program. There's a lot of, um, there's, I feel like, it feels like there's always a lot of turnover. Um, maybe that's just my perception of it. I'm sure that probably doesn't track too well with reality, but you know, we're, we're losing a lot of big pieces. We talked about Mike, talked about Nelson, talking about Luca. Um, what does next year look like? How, you know, what people are we linked to in the recruiting transfer portal? What does a potential lineup for next year look like? I know we've had a few projections of what our starting lineup might be. Um, from a few places that we had some questions about, but what is, what does next year look like? Sort of the, the way too early um, projections for next year. 
Um, I can jump in here. Uh, the first thing, Joe, you are right. Um, you're usually right, but I feel like you knew that. Um, we always, I, this is one of the things that how Davidson's a very steady program, which not to call out someone on Twitter, but there one of our followers was like, if we're, you know, if we couldn't win an NCAA tournament game this year, when we're going to win? I'm like, this team was lower in Ken Palm than our other two tournament teams. So let's not, you know, the great thing is the team's always very consistent. Um, there's usually always at least one or two underclassmen in the starting lineup. There's never usually more than two or three seniors. There's usually like two seniors in the starting lineup. Um, so we kind of do this every year, right? Last year we had to replace Kellen in the starting lineup and um, Carter and Bates. No. Yeah. So we replace about two starters a year. So it, you know, whatever. Um in terms of like what we're looking at at the moment, I think the starting lineup is is fairly set, right? We can all agree on Foster, right? Foster will be the point guard. There was we had like a week stretch where like the insiders were like Foster's not coming back, and then Foster's coming back. So Foster's coming back. Um, that's pretty much set at point guard. I think Lee is going to declare he's going to come back. That's the expectation around the program from what I can glean. Um, so Lee is going to be small forward. I think Reed Bailey is going to come in and be immediately the starter at the four. You guys, you know, we've talked about Reed Bailey like to death because he's worth talking to death. That guy is ridiculously good. Um, and uh, Sam's going to play the five Menenga. Um so those are set. The big questions are obviously, does Grant, is Grant going to be a sixth man or is Grant going to start? Uh, this, they love him. I mean, we all love him. He's a defensive game changer, right? Um, and the question is just, I think you can, I think we're trying to go with a three-man rotation at the guard position like we did this past year. I think because most of the guys were going after like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and they can kind of play both positions. We've been tied to, I think, five guys. Um, we won't say the names. We won't belabor the point. Um, though I think we're out on Roche, uh, which sucks. But, um, yeah, I think uh, – so I think it's either going to be Grant or a someone that we pull in from the transporter will start at the two. Uh, I think Dez will back up the wing. And center-wise, I think we're looking for a center. We are waiting on Luca to declare. I think we wanted him back, and we thought there was an opportunity. So we'll see what happens. Uh, at that backup big spot um maybe sean comes in right away and holds it down but that's a lot to ask for a freshman um maybe christensen does it but that's a lot to ask player that we have not really relied on in the past for minutes so i i would assume that we're going to bring in um a big with the amount of roster spots we have which also uh, chris ford's leaving which that broke yesterday um it sucks uh i was upsetting ian was very high on him i was very high on him but uh it seemed like there wasn't really a place on the roster for him and uh you know hopefully for you know he goes to app state or somewhere and plays really well yeah i am uh i mean i i alluded to chris ford transferring earlier i thought he was a guy that could have replaced that that energy that we're going to lose with Nelson. Um, but, you know, next guy's got to step up. I'm sure somebody will. 
Um, I'm interested in seeing, I mean, I, we're all assuming Sam is going to switch to the five, which I think is a good, good, uh, good option there. But I'm interested in seeing if our, our style changes a little bit because this year we were really able to rely on Luca inside. Um, are they going to put that same amount of pressure and everything on Sam, which I think he has the ability to live up to that. I don't think he's going to be nearly as efficient as Luca, but I think he certainly has the, the ability to do so. So I'll just be interested in seeing, you know, maybe there's times that we play kind of a five out system that could be unique and interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing, one thing we can be assured of is that Bob McKillop is going to get the best out of whoever's on the team and do the best thing with whoever's in this starting lineup. So um, I think that's an interesting, because we've seen flashes of Sam from the perimeter, whether it be, um, whether it be shooting, you know, whether it be, um, you know, even off the dribble a little bit. I mean, we saw that at the end of the year, he played really, really well. It was, um, you know, I'd say of- it wasn't even flashes at the end of the year. I was saying he, he was consistently, you know, his last good games. His last two games were both against Richmond and against um, ew, Michigan State. <laughs> and then I think he also had a, I think against Fordham, the first game in the in tournament, he was shooting the ball well. He was good from the post. You can't replace Luca. Luca, you know, you can't replace Luca's post ups. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was. If Sam can like carry that over, that was really good play. That was a really good play. All right, that's a great sort of place to stop with Davidson for this year. What I wanted to do really quickly, let's talk about the uh, rest of the A10 because there's been a lot of postseason action in the A10. Um, we always like to say that the rising tide lifts all boats. I think that's kind of our motto on the uh, A-10 and what we hope for the A-10 because there's been a lot of really flashy excellent coaching hires I would say Um, a couple of player movements here and there but um, all in all uh, in the way too early top 25 rankings I think we're seeing two teams appear at the at the um, in those lists Um, so, Jacob, what do you think about the sort of uh, offseason that other teams in the A-10 have had? You know, haven't been as much movement on Davidson acquiring players or anything like that, but the uh, rest of the A-10 has certainly um, gotten, down to some, gotten down to some business, haven't they? Some brass tacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you tell me the etymology of that? <laughs> um, uh, I can at the end of the podcast. That'll be our outro. <laughs> I but think it's, um, it's actually interesting. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> um, Unlike everything waiting, else in our podcast. <laughs> I was waiting on all the different A10 moves before I stopped doing Twitter. Um, I think that the, the moves are all really exciting. Um, I think you can legitimately give every single hire an A, so I get it, somewhere on an A scale. I think. I think Archie is an obvious A plus for Rhode Island. I think Frank Martin is a really good. I'm gonna go A minus. I'm gonna go A minus for Frank Martin. Um, I'm gonna go A. I'm gonna go A minus for Caputo. I'm gonna actually go for an A for Dunfield Lasalle. I, they, 
I thought that, you know, maybe it's just because they had floated Dave Paulson, which then like, you know, the grades went up uh, in comparison, which I know that's a little mean, but Paulson's not a good coach in the A-10. Um, but yeah, all, all, all hires were really good. All guys have run programs, right? So feel good about that. Um, SLU got really good news with Javante Perkins, um, which I think was kind of expected but until you actually see that, right? So that was a huge, huge move for St. Louis. The Nesbitt stuff was weird. Uh, whatever is going on there where people don't think there's any chance he's coming back, but he deleted the post. But um, so we'll see what happens with Nesbitt. Um, and then Dayton be able to keep most of their roster. I mean, Holmes didn't even declare. I thought Holmes would declare and then, you know, go in and come back, but he seems all in on school. Um, and then, yeah, VCU landing Zeb. I, quick point. Um, people were talking about how VCU is the best in the conference. I think VCU is knocking on the door of that first tier. I think VCU should be in a position where, you know, we still have a lot of offseason go, but where the expectation is to make the tournament. I don't think VCU is really the, I don't think they're in that top tier. They're losing, um, they're replacing the second most impactful player in the A10. Uh, officially, I think today, uh, he put up something on uh, Twitter. Right with Vince Williams, you're losing. Um, I saw that. You're losing Keyshawn Curry, who was really good. Keyshawn Curry statistically was better than Ace Baldwin, um, which I think is important to note. So uh, VCU is always good, but I don't think they're not there with Dayton and Slu for me. And Seb Jackson's very talented. I watched him at Michigan. I love him. Um, I like an irrational like for him but he was not particularly good at Michigan. So, you know, he's got to adapt, right? He's not going to come in and be a 20 point scorer um, without work. So yeah, I think Dayton and SLU, I think they are deserving to be in that top 25, top 30, top 30 spots. Um, and I think VCU should also be a top 35 team. And then maybe us, depending on who we get. I was going to say, I think um, we're going to need to do a, uh, your famous uh, A10 tiers by the time once the off season has kind of settled down, I think we're going to have to, I think we're going to have to uh, revive those. Maybe, maybe that, that can... those were fun. I love doing those. Yeah. They were very informative people. And then when you stop doing them, people were clamoring for them. <laughs> it's so, one of those things I, I introduced dependency and then people you know, had it taken away. So suddenly, no, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see where everybody ends up. It, it does feel right now, um, and again, there's a lot of off season to go. This is great podcast material, but I could see Ian's face. And I think I agree with Ian because it does feel right now, like Davidson might be a tier beneath those other teams right now. Again, a lot of off season to go. I'm not sure that if this, if the season were to start right now, I think that we would definitely be, um, definitely be a slot beneath those teams but that's not to say that with some additions and filling up the roster that we won't that we won't um that we won't get there i don't know if i just put words into your mouth ian but i didn't know where you were going with that but you're kind of right um okay (laughs) now i mean i would say i mean look at the beginning of this year i mean we were probably what two tiers off the top what everybody thought at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. like bottom of that second tier maybe um, and I love how we're just using Jacob's tears. It's like, you know, everybody knows tears. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can't underestimate what coach McKellips can do. So um, 
I mean, look, we will have some very talented players coming back. Um, so do these other teams, but it's all about how can you put it together um, when it comes time to actually play the games. I do think I do think Dayton is the favorite over over Slew right now. I'm sorry, Billiton fans, um, but uh, and honestly, I might say that Slew has more talent than Dayton, but I wouldn't say they have the better athletes. And also, you know. Sue needs to get over that hump of uh, high expectations and not quite living up to to them. Um, so, but hopefully that'll change for them. I mean, Dayton looks looked just last year like a powerhouse. You know, way they were to so young, so young. So if this is our favorite word on this podcast. So athletic, um, you know, and really probably you know barring an injury is um, might, might've taken that spot in the uh, might've taken that spot from the automatic qualifier from the A10 tournament. You know, we'll never know how that works out, but Hey, they beat Kansas, the national champion. So yeah, who knew that, a, who, you know, <laughs> I you know there's this, I'm being, see, you guys might be joking. I'm being genuine. They, oh, they're good. a great team and they're going to be great next year. Like, I think, I think the, that the expectations for them should be should be sky high um, because they've got a lot of talent on that team and a lot of young talent on that team. Um, you know, definitely, definitely. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to say. So Dane is really confusing to me because they looked like they looked they looked like a powerhouse. They beat teams by thirty, and then all of a sudden they just would i mean they had stinkers like it was you know the three games obviously to be in the season even if you get rid of those they still lost to LaSalle after having like a 15 point lead or something and they still you know they almost lost to umass in the um in the in the a10 tournament and then they blew i i am not of the mind that the mal like of course losing malachi smith is huge right you can't you you can't make it you can't say that that doesn't mean anything but they had built that lead up. They like went in, I think like up 10 or something or up seven and they got the lead up to like 12 or 15 without him midway through mm-hmm. that half. And then they fell apart. So yeah. yes, I think Dane has top 25 ability. And if they don't reach that, I think they should be um, upset, but they're, they're confusing to me. And I don't think they're at all going to be like, um, I don't think that they're invincible or anything, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah. A lot of things are wait and see at this point. It's still early in the off season, but um, you know, right now, again, this is why it's called the way too early top 25s and all of this. It's um, but right now, I mean, it's looking like the A10 has a really um, has a really bright future and that only means good things. You know, the better, again, rising tide lifts all boats, the better that the conference is, you know, the better that is for recruiting, the better that is for, you know, media coverage, you know, the better A10 Twitter will become. So a lot of things to look forward to with, um, you know, with a, uh, with a great uh, A10 conference on the, um, on the right. Does anybody have any more thoughts about basketball, college basketball, now that it's over? And I yeah. finally feel healed enough to talk about it again. Um, I will just say for us, because you guys were talking about the what tier we, and I agree with your assessments. Um, 
if we can get a guard, a talented guard, either there's two mo models that we're looking at. It's like one type of guy that's put a big stats at a small, at a smaller, you know, a smaller major school, or if we get a guy who's like a four-star talent um, that didn't work at a power five, if we get that, that kind of guy, and then we add that with a, uh, a, um, a backup big, like, uh, or yeah, a backup big, like Gabe Witznisser, um, awesome name to say out loud. I think that we're immediately like within that v with that VCU tier. Um, and I think next year, I think three teams are at least three teams are going to make the uh, NCAA tournament. So, yeah. Three bid league. It's dangerous to say such words, but you know, <laughs> the more that we say them, perhaps we manifest them. Mm, yes. <laughs> Speaking of bids and of selection shows and of, big tournaments and of things to look forward to. How about the uh, second love of the Belk Report, the U.S. men's national team? That, we did it. For the podcast audience, Jacob did a triumphant fist bump. We qualified. Bump. We qualified. <laughs> and maybe the most, <laughs> the most like comedically overproduced selection show I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> like, 20 minute cartoon really had me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the difference between like the March Madness selection show and <laughs> the World Cup selection show is just hilarious. I guess once every four years, you know, you gotta pull out all the stops and everything, but um, yeah, it's still, um, and you have to make sure that FIFA isn't, uh, you know, rigging the entire thing um fifa famously famously not corrupt organization fifa would never <laughs> do anything to rig famously to rig a tournament or anything um we had talked about potentially the belk report getting live coverage from qatar we have to still find if that's in the operating budget for this um <laughs> i haven't i haven't heard back about the press passes yet but uh... <laughs> I'll let you guys know. No, we don't have to talk about press passes. We are taking <laughs> donations. We're taking donations to get us to Doha. Is that how you say it? I don't know, but um, something like yeah. that. And also, but the best the, um, part, one of the best parts about that that uh, opening ceremony or whatever, whatever it was, that kerfuffle, um, was that they spend all this money doing this all this presentation, and then in the U.S., one of the like world's largest media markets, they just didn't bother to show half of it because it wasn't in English. They didn't bother to like do subtitles or anything. That was just oh it's it's wonderful. Yeah, or at least of like FIFA. at least of like the UN translator guy like kind of played over the uh he played over the audio or something like that. That's um that's always a safe bet to uh to get us to understand foreign languages. Like I could hardly understand that guy with the uh British accent who was running the whole thing. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. Um, but um, no, I mean, it's an exciting group. Uh, we are awaiting the winner of one of the the winner of playoff. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine versus Scotland. The winner of Scotland. Wales. And then they play. Yeah. Um, it's like the U.S. foreign policy group with England, <laughs> Iran, and potentially <laughs> Ukraine or Poland. It's a lot of 
post Brexit uh, England happened there. Yeah, Iran and uh, Iran. We're dealing with a whole new new like the there's more uh, nuclear. We're not going to get onto that. On this nope, podcast. we're not. But nope, the, um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the fraud. What group. do you guys think of what do you guys think of the group? Is it um, is Good it group. something? Do you think we can? make it past the group stages perhaps on the back of uh, Christian Pulisic and uh, all of our other great players. Ian knows a lot more about this than me. So I'll be really, really, really quick. Uh, England's really, really good, but everyone else is like, everyone else is like even. I think they're all like 50, 50 games, uh, the next three teams. And then Ian, is that right? You know way more than me. Yeah. Um... I mean, first off, I don't know if you saw the, the headlines from England, you know, talking about how, you know, their draw was Iran, the U.S., and then the harder matchup of possibly Wales or Scotland, um, which is just amazing. Love it. Love it. Um, and England is a tough team. Uh, they are very talented. You know, whether they get their act together is a completely different story. Uh, we played them in 2014, ended up drawing with them due to, you know, one of the greatest goalkeeping errors of all time. Uh, Robert Green, we love you. Um, but uh, I think I think the group is a little bit tougher than most U.S. fans think. Um, all of Scotland, Wales, and Ukraine, neither of those games, or wh- whoever we end up playing, none of those games would be easy. Um, are they winnable? Absolutely but they're not easy. Also, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2018, Iran made the, made the world cup and they ended up getting a draw with, uh, with Portugal lost to Spain by only one. Um, they, they, they know how to play, play a tight game. Um, obviously they're going to be more defensively focused, so it'll be hard to break through that. Also, it's a lot closer to, you know, playing in the Middle East, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So I'm hopeful. Wait, anyway, does that yeah. matter? I can't, I, I aren't, this is a, this is a geopolitical question. That's not for the show. I thought Iran and Qatar are the opposite of what you would call allies. Are Iranian going oh, to travel? Oh no, I, I didn't meant, I didn't mean it would be like, you know, a pro Iran crowd, but it would be just, you know, the yeah. mental aspect. You know, a lot of the U.S. players are going to be traveling all the way from the U.S. Uh, probably half the oh, team, yeah. another half is probably going to be based in Europe, whereas a lot of the Iranian players are going to feel much closer to home. That's that's really so. interesting. Like, would you, that's really interesting because it's home soil, but it's like kind of home. It's that's that's fascinating. Yeah, it's like a worldwide game. It's like would would a person from Arizona feel home field advantage playing in like Boston? I think the answer is like yes if you're playing against a foreign country, even if it's like Canada, right? And a lot of people are from like that's just I'll mumble later. It's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah I, I don't know. Remains to be seen. My official prediction: two zero and one in the group stage. <laughs> I think we're gonna fight to a gnarly draw against um, England. I think that's gonna be a one-one draw. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that this u.s men's team just has a certain spark and spirit to them that i just panache. love panache and can i can i just once and for all as somebody who doesn't 
watch soccer, can I just once and for all say that soccer is not boring to watch. It's very entertaining to watch. And all these people who like think that soccer is boring, I really have no earthly idea like what you're watching. It, it is a very exciting sport. There are many opportunities on the goal just because it's not like FIFA where you can just run around and score doesn't mean that it's not, you know, an exciting thing to watch. Like it's very high stakes. It's, I think that narrative has to be, has to be, uh, has to be blown up. And I hope because every year, you know, every year people, myself included, like hop onto the soccer bandwagon for, you know, a couple, couple weeks. And then it's like, Oh, back to, but I like, it's a legitimately exciting sport to watch. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's good to see the U S back in the, back in the tournament. Um, you know, let's go USA, USA, hoorah sort of thing happening there. But, um, I believe I think, you know, I think, I think it's a special team that we've got this year. I just feel a good vibe from them. I don't know anything about anyone, but, um, it's uh it's they're fun to watch so i love uh, this optimism i love this optimism can i tell a really quick christian pulisic story i saw him by the way i was watching chelsea the other day he almost had a why because he was on and um (laughs) he almost ripped a really nice goal though i was gonna i was gonna tweet about it if he did um but uh yeah i have no again i don't watch i don't watch the sport so i have no loyalty Chelsea, Manchester, whatever. Um, I don't really know who's who's who or care that much, but uh, USA, that's the team that I like. <laughs> um, quick story. Actually, two quick, two quick parter. Um, football doesn't really score that much more than soccer does. They just put seven points. They, they just multiply it all by seven. Um, so if soccer legitimately i read this if soccer just put sevens instead of <laughs> ones the scores would be like 21 14 there'd be low scoring nfl games but you know that fixes all the scoring problems uh, <laughs> kick it over three um the second thing a quick question to the start he did i love him so much he's kind of like a little bit of an idiot um he like did a no listen to this story it's hilarious he, not an idiot. He's just kind of a little absent brain. He did, um, he did like a, a story for GQ and he wore like a cross. He wore like a cross, um, like a chain. And they asked him and they pointed at it. They said, does that mean a lot to you? And he said, what, the chain? <laughs> and they're like, no, like the religion. He's like, I just like the chain. <laughs> Listen, there will be no Christian Pulisic slander on this podcast. I Die. love him. He's Captain He's awesome. America. Although he can <laughs> he cannot dance celebrate to save his to save his life. The worm, yes. Yeah. And he's not the best player on the team. <gasps> oh, who do you Whoa, think? Hey, 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 hot take, hot take. Wait, I think Weston Kenny's better. I okay. think Tyler Adams is more important than both of them. So Agreed on Tyler Adams. I think the Weston McKinney depends if we're getting the one that showed up recently for Juventus or the one that was like that entire first part of the season that was like a shell. But he's been really – he was really good afterwards. Uh, like Until, you know, he broke his foot. 
and now hopefully we'll be back in time for the World it's, Cup. He did. Oh, we got a lot of time to the World Cup. We got a lot of time. It's gonna he be did one of those things. He did one of those things where they talked about and they're like, how's the injury? And he did like the I'm just built different with that like emoji. It was really funny. He's like, I just heal really fast. I don't know what it is. I always just heal really fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Weston McKinney just built different. Mm. <laughs> In other sports news, we had the Masters today. Very exciting. I only like, again, this is one of these things. I only like Tiger Woods. I really don't care about it too many other people in golf so very exciting to see tiger shoot one under par today um i don't know that's kind of my takeaway from the masters today and in other sports news huge ufc event on saturday ufc 273 which i will be definitely tweeting about from our account so if you don't like fighting or combat sports that's okay just don't want, look at our tweets on Saturday at like 10 p.m. And if but you stay just, up for UFC, just stay up a little bit longer and you can watch F1 right afterwards. There you go. It, it is for anybody who is a combat sports fan, they know stacked card throughout, even like the early prelims at like 6 p.m. You have like Alexi Olenek fighting somebody, which is going to be always fun to see Alexi get back out there. He has had like a billion professional fights. So. He's an old man in the fighting world. I don't I know. Is there anything else to talk about? Jacob has something to talk about. I have never watched um, UFC, but my favorite thing was when you commented on it. And like one of the people that like we is like our follower who's like really sweet and is like just like a really nice person. And I was like, kill him. And it made me laugh. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'll try to invoke more of those reactions to <laughs> on Saturday. Um. Uh, one huge thing is uh, Bobo, none of Bobo, you maybe I don't know never mind none of you have uh, complimented me on my mustache which is just really mean and just really lowers the self confidence. Jacob, this is a podcast. <laughs> Nobody will be able to see your you. You can see it, Joe. <laughs> yeah, but that's not good podcast content if people can't see it. I can take a screenshot and have that as the like. The yeah, yeah. No, I don't want anyone <laughs> on Twitter to see my actual face. No, I'll just clip it so it's just your mustache. No, please don't do that. <laughs> that would be sporting event this weekend. Oh, gosh. Just, just you know, 10 hours after, you know, UFC ends, Liverpool, Man City on Sunday morning, 11.30. Ew. Whoever wins that, probably going to win the EPL. But, you know, a lot of game left. Go. Lots of sports happening. The NFL draft, soon the Belcourt will become a Ravens account, and they will also soon become an Orioles account on opening day. Um, let's go O's. Come no, back let's season. let's go Yankees. Orioles today, um, their you know, final MLB, definitely all major league caliber player lineup came out. Very exciting. <laughs> um, the aim is to be over. Um to be over 60 wins. wins? No, uh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> 40 wins, that's that's really abysmal. No, it's, you know, we got a lot of young guys. You got Adley. A lot of young guys coming up in the system that will eventually sign monster contracts with the Yankees. So we're just sort of getting them ready for you. It's like when you can't open like a, a jar of like jam or jelly or something and you like, 
one person like loosens it up and then you hand it to like your roommate or your dad or something. And then your dad just pops it off easily. And then you say, yeah, we loosen them up for you. So that's what we're doing for the future Yankees players, Jacob. We're loosening them up for you. Adley Rushman. Oh, 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 breaking news. Hassan Ward, VCU is transferring. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that is wild. Um, also, Michigan didn't win the hockey game. Upsetting. Um, that's crazy. I don't know if that changes Whoa. the calculus too much uh, for VCU. because he, was re- he wasn't really – I'm going to be perfectly honest. He went into the season with huge expectations and was not really that visible for, like, half the season. Um, but he came on at the end. I wonder if they have, I don't know their roster well, but that is a huge, that's, I think that's a big loss. I'm going to type, wow. I'm glad that we rambled for so long so we could fit that breaking news in. (laughs) That is, that is a wow. That is a wow. Um, anyway, just be on the lookout. We're more Belk Report content coming your way. You know, I think hopefully soon we're going to get you know, permanent place to share our musings. We're going to keep doing podcasts, hopefully. Um, and um, a lot of big, exciting things coming up. So uh, stay tuned. Twitter will always be there. But, um, you know, we're going to try to do some more long-form stuff. We have some time now that the season's over to really uh, get prepared for, for next year. And, yeah, lots of exciting things coming down the pike. So... Thank you to all of our loyal listeners. Applause to you, Jacob. Thank you very much. Um, you know, applause to you. Send this podcast to a friend who loves the A10 um, because that's the way to get people to listen to podcasts. So um, with that, I think we're all wrapped up here uh, for Ian and Jacob and Colby who never came on. This is Joe saying thank you very much and have a lovely day. And go cats. Go cats. All right. So I'm here with Joe. Uh, we just got news that Connor Kachera, I guess we'll learn how to say his name officially soon enough, um, is committed to Davidson. Uh, he just finished his sophomore year at William and Mary. He is a six foot five wing slash guard. Um, and uh, sports reference says he is from Arlington Heights, Illinois. Uh, and 200 pounds. So it sounds like a nice, decent athlete. Uh, we have just some immediate takes. First thing, uh, he was really good his freshman year at William & Mary. He was the 2020-2021 uh, CAA Rookie of the Year. He shot about 45% from the field on 10 attempts a game, 36% from three on four and a half, three-point attempts per game, 79% free throw shooter, about five rebounds a game, about 1.4 assists per game, about a steal per game. Uh, and he also scored 13.4 points a game. Um, so again, great positional size. Uh, and his freshman year was outstanding. Um, his second year, we saw a little bit of a dip in efficiency. Uh, he averaged 10.9 points. Um, his three-point percentage went from 36 to 32%. His field goal percentage went from about 45 to 39%. Um, I think it's also important though, important to note though, that like during this time, William and Mary really had a drop off uh, as a program. I think they went five and 27 and they finished 338th on Ken Palm out of 
358 Division I teams. Yeah, so, you know, the, the news is really exciting. Obviously, this is the sort of play we're needed. By the way, we're coming to you. I'm coming to you live from the middle of the giant in Washington, D.C. This is the commitment that we have for our lo loyal listeners. Stopping the middle of my grocery shopping to come to you and talk some Davidson Wildcats. So if you hear like the freezers with the Totino's pizza rolls coming on in the background, that's that's what that is. This is a really this is a really exciting pickup for us. This is one of the things we kind of talked about needing a wing player with good size. Um, you know, a wing player with good size has shown flashes and potential, like you said, but um, again, sort of the dysfunction of um, and the disorganization of the William and Mary program, it seems like that really followed him around. But, you know, that being said, you did see the dip, but you've got you've to account for Bob McKillop in this. This is the X factor with all these transfers this staff knows what they're doing and especially a guy like Bob McKilp he's going to get the best out of these out of these players out of these transfers you know we saw what he did with Foster and you know obviously I don't think anybody's expectations are for this person to come in and be as impactful as Foster but you know I think it I think it just goes to show that like somebody with um that Bob, that Bob McHilp really can extract potential from these guys. And, you know, based on the reception that he's been getting from all over Twitter, like, I think we've got ourselves a really good player here. And I'm really excited to see him, you know, hit the floor in Belk Arena next year. Yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally agree. The, the response has been incredibly positive. We've gotten CAA accounts. We have gotten A10 accounts. We've gotten... Uh, mid-major accounts. I mean, we, people that I, I have no, no idea had ever watched him. Anyone who's watched him, you know, personally, either on TV or in person has said he is sick. So, I mean, that's something that is really exciting when you hear that a lot of people panning the move. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a good day. Good day. Of, good day in Davidson land. Uh, cat world. <laughs> again, we've been talking, this was one of the things we've been talking about. How do you, you know, make up and account for the losses that we've had over this off season. And this is a move to do just that, you know, this is filling, you know, a need that we had, which is another dynamic wing player. I, I think he's going to fit into the system really, really well, you know? And again, I think that this is, this is a really, this is a really good get for us. I think that the potential here is really off the charts, frankly. So I'm just, I'm just really excited. I think this is a sign of good things to come. You know, still a lot of work to do this offseason. Obviously, you know, replacing some of the size. Hopefully that comes down the pike soon. Hopefully we get more information about that. Um, but overall, as, as we say, this is a great day to be a Wildcat. It's a great day to be a Wildcat. I hate that saying, but that's very true. Um, one more thing I'll add is we were looking at, when we were, all the transfers we were looking at, we were really excited about uh, the guy from Virginia, McCorkle, and the guy from Stanford, uh, Tates, because um, both were high-level high school prospects. But neither of them, neither of them had produced really at any significant level. I think both uh, averaged like three or four points or something. This guy has averaged. This guy has been, you know, a top option on a, you know, a 
I don't know if I'd call them good, but it's a good league. It's a good league in the CAA, right? So he's produced, he's put up 13 and a half points per game. Um, so you know that he's capable of that, right? This isn't a guy with like a, you know, mirage with like a low sample size. You know, there is a sample size here of him scoring and rebounding and producing. And was the rookie of the year in his exactly. conference. Like you can't, you can't, you can't just throw that all away for, you know, what might've been a more disappointing year, you know, the next year. But again, you know. Yeah, there's a good player. An, an, good player in there. An, or, an organization as sort of um, dysfunctional as uh, William and Mary has been over the past year, you can't expect that not to affect other players. So again, I think getting him into a more stable situation with um, better pieces around him, he doesn't have to be the first option here. Um, You know, a better, more capable, competent system, I think is going to serve both this, both his player and both him as a player. And I think it's going to serve Davidson really well. So I think all around really, really great move and one that we can be really excited about. For sure. And uh, as we said, we think that there will be some big men uh, stuff coming along the pipe, pipe or pike. Cause I, I always think like turnpike, but anyway, there'll be some, there's going to be some new, uh, I, we're going to be some uh, big man stuff coming down the pipeline soon. So keep an eye out on that, but uh, yeah, great day to be a wildcat. Um, good pickup. Yeah, that was our quick little information breakdown on, on him. This will be added to our pre-existing pod. So apologies for the weird sort of, um, but it was epic, necessary. It was necessary. Epic cut that we're going to get here. But as we were editing the, um, as we were editing the pod, we recorded on Thursday. This news broke, and we just figured we had an opportunity to add something about it. And so here we are. That's our, again, literally right now walking through the giant supermarket. That's our dedication to the listeners here at the Belk Report. And so, um, you know, thank you for listening. Um, go Cats. For, go Cats for Jacob, Colby, who's not here, and Ian, who's not here. This is Joe DeMartin. We're signing off. And welcome to the program, Connor Cachera. Welcome, Connor. Go right. Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>